He's <laughs> so, so you forgot the intro, Tim. What well, is forget? I'll, I'll do the intro now. Oh, okay, from the Presidium <laughs> podcast with Dustin and Tim. I'm yes, Tim. I'm Dustin, and this is season one, episode three, where we're talking about Disney animation part two, part two, the Eisner era and beyond. But first, Tim, section one. What you been up to, Dustin? Oh, I was going to ask you how New York was. Oh, you can ask me how New York was. How was New York? Did you? New York was expensive. Did you take it in? Did you take in the shows? Isn't that what people always say? I did not did take you, in the shows. Did you take in a show? I did not. I was <laughs> going to go see The Lion King. Oh. But I opted against that. I would have pegged you for a Cats guy. You went to see Cats. Cats isn't there anymore. Oh, crap. I'm I out of the loop. I think it's closed. I am, by profession, an artist... And well, <laughs> by trade, by trade, some, joke. some people say, <laughs> and primarily in photography. And I am a film photography person, and also the weird alternative process stuff. So I was walking around with my film cameras, taking pictures of New York street life, and I should, probably went through thirty-five to forty rolls of film. That's good. Yeah, and I took about three thousand digital pictures with my digital cameras. You're like Tommy Wiseau. Shooting in film and film, digital. Film and digital, because I could. Um, New York is expensive, as anyone who has been to New York City knows. Did you go to the old 42nd like I told you to? I tried. Damn it. But they're all... Yeah, they're all gentrified you, now. And you can't you can't get into them because they're all stores and businesses that you, yeah. you can't get into. You'd stand on the street, though, and go, ooh, look, they used to be I a did porn theater. I did, uh, oh. I, was, I, did, I did have a book of all the theaters that were built in the early 1900s that were on 42nd Street. Yeah. So I was going through and looking at the facades from the, the buildings that are still there. And they are beautiful. Last week, I was went to a concert in Detroit at the Fillmore, which is an old majestic theater in mm-hmm. Detroit. And their proscenium over the stage was beautiful and amazing. Ooh, it had suits you of used armor. vocabulary. I did. <laughs> it had suits of armor at the base of the proscenium. Whoa. I know. Wasn't that theater in 8 Mile, the movie? I have not seen 8 Mile. I did go, I did go to the Statue of Liberty because I'd never been there before, so I didn't yeah. do that. And it went there on a nice, sunny, warm day, so that was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, walked around, did the High Line, went to several museums, saw art. Did you see any dinosaurs? I saw dinosaurs in Denver. I did not. So tell us about Denver. Denver was all right. Denver was... So here's the problem. So I went to Colorado, and we made the mistake of first going up into the mountains. And if you've never been to the mountains, it's breathtaking so going from the mountains for a couple days back to denver which is i got there it's a neat city but it's it's on the edge of the mountains but yeah right and it's so you you're in denver in a city looking far away at the mountains where you just were (laughs) um but denver's a cool city uh there's a lot to do i'm not a big bar hopper type i mean i could see if you were young there's a lot just walking and going it but i mean you drink a drink, it's 15 bucks. I, one bar, you're like, well, that was you know 30 bucks. Let's go to the next one. You'd be done. Did you at least have good beers in Colorado? Yeah, we went to a couple breweries. Um, the brewery scene for me anymore is kind of, eh, I'm getting jaded on it. Uh, we so, actually went to, I'm starting to like going to distilleries more. And so we went to Stranahan's and had a tour, which was really fun. Um, What's Stranahan's? Whiskey. Oh. It's uh, malt. They do single malt whiskey, but they age it in oak barrels. 
So it has a bourbon finish, but it's not bourbon. Okay. And the oak barrels they have to buy from St. Louis, Missouri, because Colorado doesn't have oak trees. So they have to buy the barrels, and then they use them to age the whiskey, but then uh, they said generally breweries will come and buy the barrels from them. Right. I don't know why I'm talking about oak barrels. Anyway, we went to Stranahan's. Um, we went up. Estes Park was great. Uh, I'd go back. I, I don't know if so I... So what was the main reason you went to Estes Park? Oh, we went. We stayed at the Stanley Hotel, why which is, is why, based... Why was the Stanley of interest to you, Dustin? <laughs> it is where Stephen King got the idea for The Shining. What's The Shining? It is a horror book. <laughs> and one of your favorite movies. Yep. Um... And the, Stan- you, the Stanley was awesome. I drank I drank the in the vibe? bar. The vibe. The vibe. The haunted the, vibe. Yeah. Too bad the, you don't have Snapchat because I did an extended Snapchat story one night where I was looking for the ice machine. And what was cool I is... Snapchat. You're not on mine? We are. Oh. Did you watch it? Yeah, no. I, oh, I, see? I, I don't know. Oh. Well, I literally... I, uh, I don't use it. <laughs> so, much like the book and the movie, Estes Park shuts down until about May... Um, even the subway in town was closed. I had a sign on the door that said closed. Oh, the subway restaurant. Yeah, the subway. There's no subway. The guy at the distillery told us that generally there's 5,000 people population-wise in the town. During the season, it boosts to 40,000 because of the national park. Right. Um, So it was cool because... It was really laid back. No one around. We roamed around the town. We went into the national park easily, which I guess during the season is a nightmare to right. get in. Uh, we drove around there. It's um, kind of an amazing national park. Yeah, it, it's, it was great. Uh, a lot of the roads were closed, though, because of the snow. They had a blizzard. I say because that's one of the scariest drives I've been on is when you get to the top. Of we couldn't get we yeah. couldn't get all the way to the because top. Because it's like a cliff yeah. on, the, on one side and a drop-off on the other, and there's no shoulder. It's just... Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get to the top. We got we got about three fourths of the way, and it was closed because of the yeah. snow. Anyway, but even that was was breathtaking. But it was cool because the the hotel was pseudo empty. So the the one night I I was looking for the ice machine, and I decided to take a snap story of me like first person roaming around the halls. And at one point, I think I literally got lost looking for the ice machine because I ended up on the opposite side of the hotel. Were you in the basement? Or were you on the second no, floor? No, I, I ended up on the fourth. I went from the second to the fourth. That's how, a that's a joke you, from yeah, the yeah. show. Okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, my friend, who's a big Stephen King fan, snapped me the next morning, and he said, "Your snap story literally gave me goosebumps watching it." I was like, "That's that's funny." No, it was it was great. It was a fun time. We I want to go back. I don't. I wouldn't go to Denver. I don't think. Just because I saw it, I mean, and obviously I didn't see all of Denver, but we hit like the spots. We saw Union Station Terminal. We saw the museum. Uh, we went to some breweries. I was surprised at how many homeless people were there, actually. Because it's cold. Yeah, it well, it wasn't that bad, but Denver itself is really clean. Like inside, like Colorado is really clean. Right. So I was shocked. Like we drove a couple, because we were going to a brewery, and when we got to it, it was it was literally covered in like a homeless camp, and so you would have had to walk. And I know that's I mean whatever, but we skipped and went to a different brewery just because I didn't feel so, like parking the rental car there. So if I were to go to Estes Park, 
Estes Park did not have homeless people. <laughs> I go into a bar and order a Corona. How much would it have cost? Oh, the drinks were the same as here. So how much would a Corona? I don't eat drink Corona. Yeah, what just... are they here? Two dollars? <laughs> Where are you? So, oh, some house. So, so the, the reason I ask is, at the hotel in New York, they were nine fifty for a Corona. For a Corona. Ugh. And they don't. Have I can get a six a, six pack of it for. So I went to three. the convenience store thinking I'll outsmart the hotel. I'll buy my nope. six pack. So I bought a craft beer, in quotes, because. Their beer selections, I don't think they understand. Yeah, I think you said Blue Moon was craft beer or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But the the beer I bought, it was a six pack, but there were only four of them in there because someone they, they singled out two of them. Yeah. Twenty dollars. Wow. And there wasn't that good of a beer. <laughs> so later on I found CVS. Yeah. CVS I was able to get a six pack of fairly decent beer for ten dollars. Like, okay, this uh, is where I should have gone. Yeah. So, you were in tourist land, though. I know we were in towns. We were in Times Square. So. Well, that's like I drove through New York once, and I was kind of nervous because we stopped and ate and stuff, and I'd heard all these horror stories. But New York State is not the same. Like we didn't go to New York City. We were just driving through the state to get to Massachusetts. But like Upper New York, it, it's not that expensive. Like we stopped. I said, "This is the same prices as in Ohio." I right. mean, maybe a dollar more. Maybe once you get the, the city, there's we went by a gas station in the city, and it was about a dollar a gallon more than yeah. here. Now gas was cheaper out in Denver, and then I got home. And I said, "What's going on in Ohio? Nothing. 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 Spoiler alert: nothing." But that was it. Was good. This spring break was good. We're back. We're back, and, and we we we've, we've reviewed the movie Us. Yes. And Captain Marvel. And those are coming up as quick cuts that well, are available. Well, us, you would have already heard. It That's came true. out Wednesday. Yeah, because <laughs> us is coming out before this is. So. so if you haven't heard it, you can go back and listen to it. Yeah. So we we did see, we have been seeing some movies and watching some movies. We talked about them. So my goal this summer, at least, is to see more newer films that come out. And I'm not talking I'm going to these popcorn grinders with Tim. Maybe a couple. We might have to do a couple. We no, might do a couple. I don't think we've watched very few movies together. No, other than the Mayflower, we, we watched jo- yeah, but we watched we watched Jaws, Jaws together, and we watched Best Friends Volume One. <laughs> we did watch that. Speaking of which, that's... Tim is itching his head. <laughs> Speaking of which, Best Friends Volume One is is coming up this Friday when this podcast today. comes out. Yep, this, today. There you go. Yep. So and, if you're listening to this, come yeah, to see it yeah. tonight. If, if you listen to it before 7 p.m. on Friday, <laughs> March 29th, come to the Mayflower yeah. in Troy, Ohio, and watch Greg. Sestero. Sestero. I, I think I'm saying it right. Sestero. I, I, I keep getting in trouble for saying it wrong. I'm trying to see if I get it this time. But Greg will be here um, hosting his movie. It is interesting. It is interesting. And then he, he will be back on Friday, April 12th to show Volume 2, which Dustin did not see Volume 2 yet. No, I don't. Yeah, no. And I then don't. on Saturday, March 30th, Greg is doing a filmmaker workshop at the Mayflower. And there are still tickets available. So if you're lis- listening to this on Friday, get online, order your ticket, and show up on Saturday and learn about independent filmmaking and writing with Greg. Is that their end of section? No, one? that was just me oh. <laughs> saying woo. So ding us out of section oh, one, yeah. Dustin. Section one. Oh, yeah. So um, what else did I have to say? I don't know if I had anything else to say. We're coming up with new, uh, we're going to have some new stuff coming up. <laughs> okay. I, some new sections and stuff, you know? Right. 
interview some people and it'll be Best fun. Is Greg, Talk about we'll, movies. We'll be interviewing Greg. Yeah. Um, for our po- a future episode. But of we'll our have podcast. some guests. We'll have some guests in the studio here. Yep. Talk about pick their brains. We may do like a man on the street section. Oh, that'd be fun. That would be fun. Be interesting to see what we would get from people yes, in Troy I, about what their favorite movie is. Especially since you now bought the new microphones. I did. So yeah. we we'll, we will do a man on the street section and ask them or about woman. people or, or transgender or people on the street. Are we going to view dogs and plants as well, just in case? This we'll just call it taking it to the street. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back with Disney Part Two. Goo-woo. That's your, that's your... That was the spaceship taking off. Okay. That was kind of... It's been a long day. It's been a long introduction. It's been a long day, Tim. <laughs> so section two of the podcast, we're talking about the history of Disney animation part two. Part two. So we kind of forget where we left off on part one, so we're going to pick up where we feel like it. I have something I'm looking at that's pretty funny, though, right now. Okay. Share with us. That pertains to this. This is a headline from IndieWire, February 11th. So about a month ago. A little over a month ago. Here's the headline. Film critics and more react in shock and disbelief to Will Smith's Aladdin genie. Ready for this one? Smith says he plans to bring, quote, hip-hop flavor to the legendary Disney character. Which is a shocker. I I wouldn't have seen that coming. Aladdin debuts Will Smith's, quote, hip-hop flavor genie who is, quote, part Fresh Prince, part Hitch, end quote. So he, he came up with a whole new character based on two of his previous characters. So a question that we could re- come back to, Tim, at the end of this podcast. Is this necessary? Do we need to redo Aladdin? Do we need to redo Lion King? Do we need to redo... Dumbo. Dumbo. Do we need to redo Little Mermaid? Aren't they redoing Little Mermaid? I think they're doing all of them. If... Do we need to redo Beauty and the Beast? Because they did that. They did that one. Do they need to redo Cinderella? Because they did that. Cinderella was a while ago. Do you remember? Then they did um, Maleficent. Ah, oh, yes. But that was a fresh take that's on true. an old that was, story. That's true. <laughs> All right. Disney so, Part 2. So, yeah. My, my, my theory, again, non-scientific theory, is there's a whole new generation of kids who have not seen the animated movies. So let's put them out as live action. And then they go, ooh, that was really neat. Wait. There's a cartoon based on it, too? I want to see the cartoon now. Yeah, but they only release them every four years, so it's kind of stupid because they're not going to see them. Until Disney Plus comes out this oh, fall. Oh, my with God. Of, of their entire catalog, except Song of the South. Dang it. So it's I'm, We should redo that one. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in, in a political, politically correct we're, way. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to bring it up to modern standards. That's right. Yes. Just like... Uh, Hip-hop flavor genie. Yes, with pitch. Yes. <laughs> Which was hip-hop flavored dating guru. He wasn't too hip-hop in Hitch, was he? Yeah, he did the dance. Remember when he was teaching Kevin James how to dance? And then oh, Kevin yeah. James was doing the the Kleenex or the tissue. What was he doing? It was the Q-tip. He's doing the Q-tip. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Because well, it's, not, it's, it's not one. It's on it's, my collection. It is. I don't see it up there. It's, I, uh, I, don't, I also don't see any new ones. There are a couple, few up there. I mean, Ancient Aliens is still unopened, which I'm a little disappointed I've been about. busy. Uh, is that Donnie Darko? Donnie Darko's up there. Lost in translation. Is Donnie Darko new? The Matrix. The Matrix. Swing vote. Uh, is that Harry Potter? Yeah, I'm sure I have a few Harry Potters up there. I only see one. Or is that Pearl Jam? Is that Pearl Jam live in concert? It might be. 
Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. That is not up there. It looks like you have... Is that three copies of it, Tim? That's not up there. It's up there, folks. No. All right. But Solo is. No. Nuh-uh. Yeah, Solo's up there. That's it's, worse. It's unopened. That's actually worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So back to Disney animation. I think where we left off was Disney was... Right. Collapsed. And doing some research for this, we, we talked about in episode one, or first, first part, about the Night Old Men... Yes. By the time we get into the 50s and 60s, they're kind of coasting. There's not a whole lot of new innovation going on. We get to the 70s, Walt dies. 70, 70s, they're really making movies that no one watches. They're bottom of the box office sales for studios. I mean, I think people like them now, though, right? Like right. Fox and the Hound. Right, but they were, they were not box office successes. No. So at the time, in 1975, at CalArts... So Cal Arts is a uh, arts school in California that was funded by Walt Disney. When he died, half of his estate went to funding and founding Cal Arts. So in 1975, they started a new program for character animation. Who were some of the people in the first few classes at Cal Arts? Do you know? Let me give you a few names. Uh, okay. John Lasseter, Brad Bird, oh, Tim Burton, John Musker, Henry Selnick, Gary. Gary was there. Yeah, so there were, there's a whole slew of people that were taking Cal Arts animation. Is that when and, Tim Burton did um, his sketches for Nightmare Before Christmas? Yep, and Frank and Weenie. Gotcha. No, actually, he did Frank and Weenie at Disney. So at Cal Arts, there are all these people doing this animation, and there's an article on Vanity Fair website you can read. It goes into the whole history of what these folks were doing and the crazy antics they were up to <laughs> in room A113 Ooh. which becomes relevant once we get into the Pixar movies. So these folks at Cal Arts at the end of each year when they're graduating the Disney brass comes in and reviews all the work and selects who of the graduates get to come to work for Disney. If you don't get that tapping on the shoulder you end up doing Saturday morning cartoons and commercials and you have no career. So it's a lot of pressure on them to get tapped into the Disney system. The people that were teaching at CalArts were the Nine Old Men and people that were making the Disney success movies, and they were teaching them how to make animated movies. And this was the 70s? 75 okay. is when it started. So a bunch of them moved so on question. to a bunch of them moved into Disney. Go ahead. Were they, were they essentially attempting to groom all these people to reboot? It wasn't to reboot. It was just to teach them the... The art of animation. Okay. And how to... I didn't know if they were self-aware yet that this thing was... I think they were. ...tanking. Because when Disney, when Walt Disney was, was doing Snow White, he was actually sending his animators off to art classes to learn how to draw. And he would bring in live models for them to sketch from so they learned how people moved. Yeah. And so yeah. these guys took that knowledge and they were heading it off to the next generation. Okay. Um, I think they were well aware that the movies weren't a success, but they didn't care about the box office part, they were more interested about the craft and the art. Okay. So one That's why Fox statistic, and the Hound is so good. I know. So one statistic <laughs> I saw I was the, the people that graduated from Cal Arts from 1975 to, like I think, 1980, once they moved into the box, the, the, the studio system, from 1985 to 2014, the people from Cal Arts directed movies that made over $40 billion at box office. So when you look at Lasseter and Brad Bird, I mean, the Pixar movies alone. Oh, yeah. And Tim Burton, 
has brought in several billion of his own. Lasseter, though, didn't he start? Didn't he do like Rescuers Down Under? Yes, that seems right. Wasn't that there him? Several of them. Uh, I don't think Tim Burton actually. I don't think he did. Arts, yeah, I don't think he did. And he was he Tim Burton, according to the Vanity Fair story from Tim Burton's book Burton on Burton. <laughs> of course, he was the one that pitched that they should use computer generated animation for the Brave Little Toaster. And at that point in time, he had worn his welcome out, and they asked him to leave after he made that pitch. Did they use it? Yes, they did. Brave Little po- Brave Little Toaster was the first movie Disney movie to have computer animation in it. What part? I don't know. That part I, I didn't catch up on. I'm trying to remember Brave Little Toaster. I know I own it's it. A, I think it's a little toaster that's brave. No, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I saw the movie a couple times, but I don't remember the computer part. Yeah, it was, it was. Beauty and the Beast is the one that sticks out. Obviously, the, they did use the Caps system, which is computer automated. I forget positioning. No production s- systems. Systems. Anyway, it was their way of. Drawing on the computer and then painting on the computer. Okay. And Little Mermaid had the first major scene using the CAPS system. And there's the final scene with the rainbow. Yeah. That was all done on computer. That was the first time. It's still hand-drawn on the computer. But that was the first major scene in the Disney movies that were using the CAPS system that made the hand-drawn animation on cells start to disappear. And I remember living in California at that time and eBay was just starting out, and Disney was selling their animated their animation desks on eBay. Oh, for yeah, for like a hundred dollars, and they just had they took. Did all you buy the, one? I, I wanted to. I was like, eh. Damn. I, I that's one of those. If I had a time machine, I would go back and buy them all. Oh man, oh man. Because Disney was kicking out all of the the hand animators. Right. And doing it all. By Did computers. you buy one of them? The hand animators. Yeah. No. <laughs> they, were, those, they were selling them for $200 they, they were nine old men <laughs> you have an old man sitting in your house drawing draw, pictures draw, draw me go draw a picture Arr, give me some beer yeah, he's like, I'm not allowed to it's copyrights <laughs> Disney so anyway so that's a little bit going into what was going on technology wise okay with uh, and the some a lot of the Cal Arts folks that came into to Disney did not last very long um, Tim Burton didn't last that long. Yeah, he didn't last very long. Lasted or left. To he rubbed him. people the wrong way, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Back then, it was a different type of rubbing. It's a different kind of, like just like John Lasseter. <laughs> he's still rubbing that way, but they got... No, they, he's, 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 he's taken lessons on, and classes on how not to rub that oh, way. Oh, is he anymore. still there then? No, he is no oh. longer at Disney and Pixar. But he still had to take classes? He went on a six-month sabbatical. Oh, Lord. And then he came back and resigned. And now he's with another animation company. I forget the name. And all there was a huge uproar by their female staff saying, "Why are you bringing in this person who was fired from Disney for being a sexual predator into our animation studio?" Because he was good. And he's he's learned his lesson. He made a lot of money. <laughs> he's learned his he's lesson. learned his lesson not to do those things, not to group people hugging in meetings. Weird. Yeah. Stop like weird hugging. People. Yeah. Stop doing that stuff. Yeah. We have that going on. Maybe that's what happened to Don Bluth. I didn't talk. I didn't research Don. What do you have about Don? I don't. I don't he doesn't fall in my storyline. Oh, he doesn't. No. So you could bring him up. Oh. Well, where are we at? So Don Bluth gets kicked out. So we're getting into the the folks, the, the so, okay. animators. Or the Disney Animation was kind of not doing well. So here's the pre. This is like the pre-Renaissance slump, um, where eh, Disney dies in '66. 
His brother Roy dies in 71. Um, in 79, uh, Don Bluth leaves Disney and starts Don Bluth Productions. He also takes 16 animators with him. So that kind of hurt Disney as well. Um, he teamed up with Steven Spielberg, and they did first one, Secret of Nim, which was in 82. Um, American Tale was in 86, and The Land Before Time was in 88, which in 89 is when the Disney Renaissance begins. Funny thing, I'm looking at this, they're talking about Don Bluth. Oliver and Company, which was released, uh, when, what's it say here? We have it was released the same time, yeah, it was released the same time as Land Before Time. It actually made more money at the box office than Land Before Time, interestingly enough. But people were seeing more... Don Bluth Productions were making, seemed to be better quality than Disney at that right. time. Well, at that point in time, though, because Michael Eisner and Frank Wells came into Disney in 1984. Yeah. So Disney... To reboot it. Well, the the studios were not making any money. Yeah. And they were being prime targeted for being for being taken over by people they didn't want to be taken Yeah. Roy Disney worked a deal to bring in Michael Eisner and Frank Wells to run a company. Which Eisner was at Paramount. Right. He was, pre- he was CEO and president at Paramount. Yeah. And so he came into Disney and they brought in um, Frank Wells and they also brought in Katzenberg mm. to be the pretty much the, I forget what his title was, but he, pre- he pretty much was in charge of revitalizing the studio. And they did team up with Steven Spielberg on what movie, Tim? Who Framed Roger Who Rabbit. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Which was one of their, their first steps back into rev- relevancy. Yeah. Um, that made that, quite a bit of money, didn't it? That came in 1988. According to IMDb, it grossed $156 million. Yeah. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit is, is a classic. My sister recently watched that movie, and I guess her revelation out loud was that she didn't know Jessica Rabbit was married to Roger Rabbit. Because the family resemblance... Everyone in the room went, haven't you seen this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. So anyway, so we have Michael Eisner coming in and changing the direction of the studio and... And the parks. And the parks. But we're talking about animation. In yes, Tim. I know. But there was... And <laughs> in, in I think is No, is I think it's Wikipedia talking about no. Katzenberg that he personally cut out 12 minutes out of I want to say the by cauldron like within within him first starting there he walked in and cut 12 minutes out of the movie yeah I have that pulled up actually hold yeah. on uh, da, 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 da. Katzenberg of- he wanted 10 minutes cut from the movie eventually about 12 was deleted but some of those missing scenes were included on the movie's 25th anniversary I guess what happened with the black cauldron was they screened it and some families, actually, a majority of them got up and left uh, because there were some questionable scenes in it. There were some, like, grotesque zombie-type corpses, rotting corpses. <laughs> it was a PG-rated movie, right? I believe so. I think it ended up being PG. But I guess the idea with The Black Cauldron was they wanted to bank on the... the it was PG. Lord of the Rings craze that kind of went on in the 70s, 80s. And so they had this idea to make this film. Well, then, what's his name? We were just talking about Bluth leaves okay. in the middle of the project. And so they kind of like patch together these people to work on it, which they do all the time in Hollywood now. And it turns out great, right? Uh, they patch these people to work on it. And it was 
not something that I guess families were willing to embrace at that point in American cinema for cartoons. So, however, Bluth goes on to make Secret of Nim, which isn't exactly the most child-friendly movie, right? If I remember right, but remember which I Disney's do. still protecting their name as we are family right. entertainment, right? So, two factoids, or I, I believe they're factoids. Factoids. I, I, I saw them online. So they must be real. Everything's real online. Tim Burton was drawing characters for the Black Cauldron, and they were deemed too scary, and they replaced his his gargoyles with the lame dragons. <laughs> and that everyone else said that if Burton's characters had been allowed to be in the movie, it would have been yeah. But that's a what if question. And the second factoid was I'm scratching my head about the Black Cauldron. Oh, I I was at a Disney fan club meeting in L.A. years ago at a luncheon, and it turns out one of the guys that was at the table was the producer flat for the Black Cauldron, mm. and he was telling us stories of. What a nightmare <laughs> that was, because that was during the transition uh-huh. of Eisner coming in, and they had no direction to begin with, and then they then Kesselberg coming in and hacking the movie apart. He's like, it was. He's he said, I, I if I'm remember remembering correctly, he surprised the movie actually got out because it was it was such a mess of people getting their hands in the mix. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, I've ne- I've actually never seen it. So, have you seen it? It's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't know. I can't really. I don't. I can't speak to it of it being bad or. I know there's a there's a cult following for it, right. but. But the going back to the Katzenberg just came in when they were first brought when he was first brought in and hacking the movie apart. The animators were not a big fan of him because of the way he treated the process. So gotcha. he started he started off on a bad foot with the yeah. animators, which came to be his downfall when Frank Wells died and Katzenberger wanted to be promoted to the second person in charge and the heir apparent to Eisner. And Roy Disney pulled Eisner aside and said, do not put him in charge. If you put, if you make him second in charge, I will start another proxy war to get Roy you out. Roy was dead, though. Huh? Was this before Roy died? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But, oh. yeah. So, I didn't know Eisner was in like talks that early. Yeah, Eisner was in from 84 Because to... Roy died in 71. When did Katzenberger... Wells dies in 1994. Katzenberger was fired in 1994 as well. And I forget. Let's see, Eisner. They reorganized, right, too. Didn't they reorganize the whole company once Eisner took control of it? Yes. And that involved, they had like these phases. So then like the th- when we get to the theme parks, they had different phases for the theme parks to roll out. And that was part of like, at the time, MGM Studios was part of it. And then they started competing with Universal. But that's a whole nother. Yeah, Eisner resigned... In 2005. Yeah. So he was there for 84, 94. I remember Eisner as a kid because they rebooted The Wonderful World of Disney. Right. And he was And I remember host. seeing, yeah, he was the host. I remember seeing him on TV. Entered, I didn't know who he was, but he did a lot of, uh, I remember they redid, they didn't redo, but they re-released like Winnie the Pooh and he would talk to Winnie the Pooh, just like Walt right. used to do. Right. But then with this new. He went to acting classes so he could do better at that. Because <laughs> he, was, he was not a natural on camera like Walt was. Yeah. I do remember a lot of they did the similar effect of incorporating commercials for the theme parks. So you'd see a lot of like MGM Studios, which was they were rolling out, and they they did New Tomorrowland in the nineties. The Euro Disneyland, they were yeah. They, so they there was a lot of that. Disneyland I remember as a Tokyo. kid seeing yeah. it. The marketing, the marketing yeah. machine that is. If you watch the the holiday parades from Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a commercial for oh, yeah. their shows and the parks. And they film those, like the Christmas parade. They film them in different 
times and then they just all edit it all together and for the TV like and they make it yeah. look like it's one yeah. yeah yeah I've been there during I haven't seen it my sister's gone to one because she lived down there for a while in Orlando and she was saying how it was weird because you would see part of it and then they would stop and it wasn't like you see on TV where it's then Backstreet Boys come out and perform that was a different right Backstreet Boys did perform at one because so I they, know you were excited that gets about us that. into renaissance or whatever you're calling it it's they, a disney renaissance wait when, when they roll out beauty and the beast in 1991 no you you lied oh little mermaid little mermaid was 89. the first one yeah. don't lie to our audience I, I, little mermaid is the first movie of the disney renaissance right uh prior to that though you had who framed roger rabbit in 88 which it's both live action and yet and then oliver and company in in 88 so as back well on, back on who framed roger rabbit it's the only movie where Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse are together in the same movie. Oh, yeah, because it's... Yeah. 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 I need to go back and watch that. I, mean, I saw it as a kid, and it was, quote-unquote, scary. Remember the end where oh, yeah. Christopher Lloyd goes nuts? Yeah. You have to watch it a couple times. One, just to enjoy the movie, and then start realizing they had to do it all with practical effects that they animated over. Yeah. I didn't... I was like five. Yeah. So going back with your, your film with production... Eyes. With, with your film production... Can I buy it? Yeah. Does Disney have it released like normal, or oh, yeah. do I have to go through Canada like I did Fantasia? No. no. You had to go. You had to go to Canada. To yeah, it's Canada. like a Canadian version. I have. Hey. No, that doesn't happen. It's just on the front. <laughs> it has weird like Canada's rating system. Right. Is I mean, it's the same movie. It's you Blue should Rabbit. be able to find Roger Rabbit on Maybe. Amazon or any of your favorite online shopping Amazon. Boutiques. Amazon. I'm searching for it right now, Tim. But since we're not sponsored by anybody, we, we know we, we can't just go and say. Go to this website to buy it. Crap. Um, my Amazon Prime right now is trying to get me to keep watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space because I was watching that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you didn't watch? You did, you you turned it off halfway through? Yeah, I I was like drinking coffee and it was it. Oh yeah, here it is, nine ninety nine on Blu-ray. Or you can no, just... it's Blu-ray's fourteen eighty five. Twenty fifth anniversary. Or you can stream it. I not I'm not streaming. Yeah. My internet sucks. Anyway. So anyway, so yes, watch so the Little Robert, Mermaid. Yeah, watch it for the amazing technical feats of animating live action together with animation is as it's amazing. And it's just a, a fun story too. The Toons live in Toontown. I'm yeah, it's fine. Okay. All right. So Little Mermaid. <laughs> I get it. Little Mermaid. Nineteen eighty nine. So that they had the idea. Of doing Little Mermaid, I guess. Sorry, creating Little Mermaid. Um, Verbage there. Back in the 30s, I found out via my research. Okay. But they shelved it, obviously. After initially being floated as a movie idea in the 30s, plans for Little Mermaid were dormant until the mid 80s. Uh, the lyricist Howard Ashman and composer Alan Menken, known for their work on the off Broadway musical. Tim? Don't know. Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, we're brought on to create the score, which it has one of the more memorable scores, such as the song, Tim. Kiss the Girl. Life Under the Sea. Life Under the Sea. And Kiss the Girl. Yeah. And Part of Your World. Is, didn't Part of Your World win a Grammy or something? I'm sure. Part of Your World. Da, 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 so da, those those two teamed up to make music for several of the movies, and all of them were just classics. Yeah. So what makes it, Tim... The Renaissance. Why do they call it that? I don't know. You're, you're the one that keeps calling it that. No, that's that, what it's called. 
<laughs> that's what it's colloquially known as. So I'm, I'm, my guess is that's the first one that, that the Eisner team started from scratch on. The rest of them were pre-existing movies that were in, pro, in production before they came in. So yeah, but I think first it's... first one they had, the, they had the full reins and control over. I don't know. Yeah, but I think it's also if you compare... the era where they, they became... The movies are really successful, A, whereas they were kind of faltering there for a while. But they also went back to kind of traditional the fairy tales, fairy tales, that kind of thing. And also by, by bringing in the 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 song the the, the songwriting team, yeah, like they did with that, the that's very different than the soundtrack you get from Oliver and Company, which came out the year before, which Billy Joel wrote, right? But still, yeah, no one. Rem- yeah, why should so, I worry? So what's, your song? what's your favorite song from Oliver and Company? Why should I worry? I don't even know. What the See, song is. Yeah. that's the only one right. I can name. <laughs> I don't remember half the. Half the songs in that. I don't remember any of the songs. You had Little Mermaid. You had. Oh, I'm trying to get your name off the top of your head. I, I need the list. Rescuers Down Under, which. Uh, that wouldn't really call that. That's it's not, in there, though. It's, it's, it's a B level. Yeah, it's, uh, it, the, it's the, in people there. People like that movie a lot. The Rescuers Down uh, Under. But the biggies are Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King. I'm trying right. to name these off the top of my head and get them in order. Lion King. You're doing good so far. Uh, Pocahontas. Yep. Hunchback. No, Hercules. Hercules. Hunchback. Ah, I was right. Yep. Then Hercules. Then Hercules. Mulan. And then it's over. Tarzan. Yeah, it was over. Fantasia, dinosaur. It was over. It was over. It was over. Emperor's <laughs> <laughs> New Groove. Oh, Emperor's New Groove is great, but that's not a. Uh, that's not a Renaissance. So- no, but Emperor's New Groove. Do you know who was supposed to write the soundtrack for that? Sting. Ugh. It was called... I think it was... The title was something different. Emperor Gets His Groove Back? Something. No. It, it, but Sting wrote the whole soundtrack and all the songs recorded. They had half the movie done. And whoever was in charge came in and said, Nope, we don't like the story. We need to make it more fun and whimsical. It is fun and whimsical. And they dumped all of Sting's songs... And the whole storyline they're working on and made it. So were they trying to make Emperor's New Groove a serious Disney film? Like Little Mermaid serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Because the way they do it, it's it's just a it's like not. you said, it's a fun yeah. yeah. Kind of side side movie? Is that what I want to call it? Like Rescuers Down Under isn't right. a major, it's kind of like a B. Well I think at that point in time you start looking at they went Dinosaur, which was just an experiment and computer CGI. animation. Yeah, CGI. Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, Ooh. Lilo and Stitch, yeah. Treasure Planet. So Treasure Planet's not good. So they definitely were coming off of their peak. Yeah. But they're also, that's well, Pixar kind of picked up the slack. What was the last hand animated before? I know they did Princess and the Frog and went back to it, but right. was it like Chicken Little or uh, Down on the Range or what was that movie? It had barnyard animals in it, I think. Brother Bear, was that that? Um, Brother Bear came out in 2003. Was that the last hand drawn? Because then they just went into computer animated, like Tangled, Frozen. Jungle Book 2, Valiant, Home on on the Range, which was the farm animals, was 2004. Ah, yeah. Chicken Little was 2005. And then it's, yeah, because then you look and it's Meet the Robinsons. Chicken Little was CGI. Was it? Mm -hmm. Or was it? It's CGI. Okay. Because by then, because Toy Story came out in 1995, so mm-hmm. we're 10 years into the computer revolution. Yeah. Toy Story was great. 
Man, I remember going to see that when it came out. I remember seeing that too, and and I was dumbfounded. Yeah, that was a great movie. Because that came out in '95, and Disney buys Pixar in 2006 for 7.4 billion. I mean, you think about Toy Story, like the level of animation at that point in '95. I mean, it's one of the one of the biggies. If you remember, computer generated was remember Terminator Two, right? Or T1000, and that was a mind-blowing what they did with that with the special effects right which he james cameron did with the abyss earlier like a similar thing but it wasn't to that level and terminator 2 is in what 91 and then um jurassic park was 93 which they incorporated a lot of cgi one of the first ones and then it was like toy story showed up and that was the end of it or the beginning of it i guess i should say but because cgi is different than computer animation right somehow because they've been working on Toy Story though for years, but yeah, that was I remember when that came it out. It was supposed to be a made-for-TV movie for Christmas spe- Christmas special. Oh, because they're was. toys. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, that's sad though because that wouldn't have been the same. Well, then they realized the second one sucked though. I like the second Ugh. one. The third one's good. I love the third one. The third one was too Spielbergy for me. Oh Christ! Back to <laughs> Disney. God, we get. The Disney was kind of ignoring computer animation because Pixar was doing it. Wait, we are skipping the elephant in the room, Tim. Which was? Why was Disney incorporating so much dirty imagery into these Renaissance movies? Little Mermaid had the penis. Aladdin had the all good boys take off their clothes. Lion King had the word sex spelled out in the flowers. Because animators are perverts. (laughs) So going going back... (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Going back to the CalArts story and hearing the antics, reading the antics of what they were doing, their parties were notoriously famous for debauchery. They're doing like Eyes Wide Shut parties? Illuminati. One of them was, they're talking about, there was somebody came in dressed in just peanut butter. Gross. Well, they're also getting into, into performance art. But... As they, <laughs> as, as they talk about of it, of course, that's performance art. These are these are stuck these, a feather in my butt cheeks and yes, walked around the party and called it performance art. Exactly. Yeah, gotcha. So art. the animators who were in the classes were nerds and geeks who, who were now want to dress in peanut butter. No, but they're now in a whole group of other people that are creative because they're used to being the outcasts in their high school. They're they're not the sports players. They're the the ones who sit around sit in their bedrooms alone and draw comic books throwing a lot of stereotypes around it's what the article said well that article is throwing a lot of stereotypes around well it's just the actually the people that were in the story in the the classes were the ones telling the stories yeah they're They're like we were were a bunch of outcasts that we we discovered we had there are other people like us so they decided they just decided to draw penises in the little mermaid they're just weird gotcha oh yeah the uh pastor has an erection remember that yep in little mermaid it's his knee no, it's not. He Go back three, and watch. You don't even have to slow that one down. Like Aladdin, you kind of have to like, what's he saying? Because he says, oh, good boys take off their pants or whatever that is. And and Lion King, when he falls in the flowers, you have to kind of frame it, slow it down where it but, says and sex. And one rumor says it's SFX for special effects team. Edit that in. No, it says sex. It could say SFX. <sighs> I've seen it, Tim. <laughs> You've seen sex and you know what sex is? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. What is it? <laughs> That was after they had the weird lion sex in that movie. 
That's a weird. Yeah, that's that a weird not, scene. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> that was a little weird. Nala like, shoots him those bedroom eyes. You know, oh, they're lions! And then you go, wait, weren't they raised together? <laughs> then you go, wait. And then he went from being a six-year-old to a yeah, man. Yeah, because he's like, she I'm made just him. Run around the, she uh, made him a man. That's that why. Was, that's right. He's like, oh. Hey. But then you do the math, and you figure out she's either his sister or his cousin, because there's only two male lions. Well, yeah. And it was neither one of them are from Scar. Well, yeah, and there's a lot. No, not that we know of. Wasn't there one in like a sequel where it was like Scar's kid or something? Maybe I don't know. That's kind of the way the Animal Kingdom works, though, Dustin. But then we get—I understand that. I don't need to watch it in the cartoons. Um, <laughs> but then we get into the issue of like Ariel is what fifteen? What birthday are they celebrating at the beginning? That sounds about right. She's fifteen, and then it turns out Jasmine is like is it fourteen. That's what the fairy tales were. I get it. I know. But they draw them scantily clad. Right. Well, we couldn't do that now. No. In fact, Jasmine, the character at like Disney World, they even changed her where she's completely covered. I didn't realize she was nude before in the parks. No, but she had like her midriff showing. Like oh, in yeah. the movie. But right. now they've... The character, when the, when the actress plays her in the park, right. she's covered up to her chin. Huh. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. I like Jasmine. Who's your favorite princess from the from the Renaissance? Favorite princess. Mine's Jasmine. I'm going to go with Belle. Ugh, why? She's not a princess, though, is she? Because she's not from royalty. Um, they throw her in there because he. Well, he's they a, get married, so he ends up. Yeah. yeah, they end up. Yeah, she is. She's a bookish nerd. She's Hello? a princess. The one that's not a princess is um. Esmeralda, right? I don't see. I don't. I've never seen her. Yeah, they don't really in the, in the lineup with princesses. No. I mean, sometimes she's included, like in the background. They didn't really talk about her that much. She was a good character. She's feisty. Yeah. Or uh, Meg from is it Meg from, from Hercules? Hercules? Yeah. But she's not a princess either. Mulan. She was a princess though, was she? Uh, they, 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 no. They, they, yeah. they trot her out with the princesses though. Sometimes. But I think they include her. That's like their token Asian principles. But I, I think they, they get voted in. They can be voted in as Pocahontas. Well. Oh, Pocahontas is because her dad's the chief. But they're not really princesses in the Native American, right? They're not called princesses. But still, she was the leader's. Daughter, Just because, yeah. So. But he's not a king. He's a chief. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We're splitting so, hairs with splitting this. In, yeah. Wait, who's your favorite sidekick? All those movies had sidekicks. I'm gonna say Timon. Oh yeah. Um, I'm the going Puma to Timon, say the Puma Timon tandem. I'm going to say oh, that's a tough one. Like um, the candle Lumiere. I oh. like Lumiere. I like that scene where he's got the feather duster in the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> As a child, I didn't know. It was, I saw it as an adult. I was like, "Whoa, Lumiere! What are you?" Uh, What's going on there? And then at the end, she walks by and she has the feather duster, but as the human, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it goes back to Walt's original thing: is he's making movies for all ages. Yeah. <clears throat> so they put in content that you as an adult can appreciate, and the kids don't get. Yeah. Does Little Mermaid have that? I don't know. There was some dark stuff in Little Mermaid. That was the first time because they really, they really did push themselves in a different direction. I mean, there's some dark stuff, I guess, and well, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, all of. No, I know, but I mean, like, fairy tales are not happy stories. No, well, in Disney, 
watered them down from what they actually were. But I'm thinking like the scene in Little Mermaid, not just those like worm creatures, like that's weird anyway. But like the whole when he when Prince Eric stabs her through the chest with the ship mast and it's like that's pretty violent. Yeah, for a kids movie. Um, Beauty and the Beast is gets violent at the end with the knife. He stabs Beast right. and there's yeah Aladdin. Was it that Jaf- violent? Jafar turns into the big yeah, snake. Yeah, but he doesn't really. Yeah, he does turn into the big snake and he tries to choke him. Right. He traps. He traps Jasmine in that hourglass after she tries to seduce him. That part's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Tarzan. I don't know. I didn't watch that. I don't care about that. Never cared. I liked the. Tarzan's not a fairy tale, though. So they got away from. I guess Lion King's not really either. What well, kind of is. Is it? It's not. It's based on. It's the... just a theme that's. Yeah. Yeah, they always say. They always say uh, Hamlet, but it's like, no, you're just picking themes up that. Right. <laughs> Universe, where he is universal themes in literature. Check. It's like Hamlet, and then you go, wait, it's every Shakespeare play ever. We also haven't covered a Goofy movie. Oh, I loved a Goofy movie. It was in 95, the same time as Pocahontas. I liked Goofy movie better than Pocahontas. I don't think I've ever seen a Goofy movie. It's, I'm I'm saying that I liked it via 1996. I haven't seen it since. It's a nostalgia base. I don't want to go back and watch it now. I just remember like Powerline concert and I, I, it was funny from what I remember. I'm not going to go back and watch it. So what did you think of Hunchback since you I like are, Hunchback. Since you're in, you're an English major. See, I like Hunchback. Now, when Hunchback came out, I was getting older though. So, I'll say that it was a year after a goofy movie. No, but I mean I'm older than like Little Mermaid in 89 where okay. I'm 6. Right, okay. So, by the time Hunchback came out, I picked up on more adult themes. And there are quite a few in that one. That's a dark movie, but it's a dark book. So I don't know the I don't know like the trivia behind the movie or the the statistics on if it failed or made money or whatever. Um, it's not like the other movies though. It made it made a hundred million dollars. What's the Pocahontas budget? Pocahontas made one hundred forty one. Oh. So and Hercules made ninety nine. Oh. So you, they, they, they really yeah, started, starting to the decline. box office really started going down. But I like Hercules. I like the animation in Hercules. I don't care for Milan. I think I was. The, My least so, favorite. So, so what year did Milan come out? 1998. 90, 98. Yeah, so I was a teenager and I'd gotten over animated movies at that point in my life because you know you get through the stages. And right. I'm not watching our kids' movies, so that was when Milan came out, and I just didn't care. I guess. I think now I see I see images from it and I like the artwork and I like the style. I'd probably go back and watch it now and appreciate it. Was, it. it was well done. Well, yeah, was, I'd appreciate well it now. But when it came out, I was I wasn't gonna go to the movies to see an animated movie because I was a. So I did see the world premiere of Hunchback in New Orleans. They had oh, a world yeah. premiere at the Superdome or Kingdom, whatever, whatever. Was it Topsy Turvy Day. Yeah, and that it's was the Mercedes Benz Dome now. Yes, it is, it is that. But they, um, it was it was quite a spectacle. Yeah, um, it's a cool movie because they had um, the state, the screens, the stage in the middle on the football field, mm-hmm. and then all this singing and dancing and stars singing the songs during the movie. No, before the movie. I was just saying that frustrate me. And then, as they got ready to show the movie, the giant screens overhead yeah. were revealed. 
So before, you, all you saw was the stage. All of a sudden, these big screens opened up, and you could now watch the movie on this big screen. Yeah. So it was neat. And the big confetti guns afterwards, and it was, it was neat. That, the, problem, the problem I have with Hunchback is... So I, I like it because I have that yeah. experience of seeing No, I'm not mirror. saying it's bad. Tone-wise, it's kind of weird. Because you'll have really dark scenes, and then you'll have singing gargoyles. Right. Whereas the other ones, Jason Alexander, yeah, when you use recognizable yeah. voices is when it bothers me. Yeah, you're right because it takes me out of yeah. the movie. But that movie deals with some dark stuff. I think it's darker than like not that Little Mermaid isn't, but Little Mermaid is angsty teenager rebelling against her father in love with a prince. It's not the level of like throwing babies down wells and burning <laughs> gypsies. Right. <laughs> Which is what Hunchback is. But then you have some singing gargoyles. Right. I, I do still like the Topsy Turvy song. Yeah, I, I, if I you got that, rid of the songs, it would be... I would like it better. But I, I, the songs make the movie for me. Yeah, I'm not... But, yeah. But anyway. You don't like musicals, so... No, I'm not... I, I don't mind it in, in animated movies, though. Okay. Because animated movie, I'm already... I, Music. We're not getting into this. We'll do this later. We'll do this later with the musical. That's another episode. <laughs> Why Dustin hates musicals? Yeah, except we'll do, animated. We'll do this. Yeah, I can deal with it in Little Mermaid. I'm not dealing with it in West Side Story. I like West Side Story. So we, we're moving on from they had a run of four or five really good ones. Well, and they hit Little like, Mermaid. and I remember from that age, because in '89 I was six. I'm dating myself here, so I remember going to see Little Mermaid. I remember going to see all these, except for there was a time where I stopped going to see them, and I think it was around. Uh, I think it was Pocahontas. I, I don't remember going to see that, but I remember going and seeing Little Mermaid, and seeing Beauty and the Beast, and seeing Aladdin. I definitely remember Aladdin. I definitely remember Lion King, distinctly. The opening sequence to Lion King is just amazing. Yes, even today, watching it. And again, going Lion back- King just has some great. And just great sequences. That and then, and then I love that they did it by hand. That's I know. Like, I love that the scar sequence where he's singing, and then it's like the weird Nazi imagery yeah. in the middle of the movie. And you're like, this is <laughs> bizarre, but kind of awesome. They all had just great Aladdin. You know, when he first the the Cave of Wonders a was computer generated. I believe so. At least some of it was, because yeah. that was post Beauty and the it Beast. Lo- it looks like it. If it wasn't, it does not look. Right, because that was post-Beauty and the Beast ballroom scene right? where the camera moved around with the CGI, which won a Grammy or an Oscar, right? Didn't that special effects win an Oscar? Probably. Um, not that, whatever, I'm not putting my stock on that, but I'm just saying that was good. But all of those movies had such iconic imagery or sequences, whereas I guess, I guess the idea of the Renaissance, going back to that question, what iconic stuff can you pick from, say... Uh, Rescuers has some. Rescuers is a little different. Oliver and Company. I don't think I've seen Oliver and Company. What's another one? Uh, Fox and the Hound. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. I mean, I remember the scene with the bear, which was kind of frightening. Oh, that that brings up a factoid. Uh, with the bear? Yes. That was when the Cal Arts students were still hanging out. And they had their hands tied by management yeah to do anything fun and creative it was all kept you have to do it this way this is, don't don't go in and push the envelope this is the way we do things yeah when it came time to animate that scene 
they were running out of time and they gave it to the young animators and they did it the way they wanted to the bear scene yeah and they did it the way they wanted to and they they didn't have time to go back and redo it yeah so they had to put it in oh that what's that's why that's why it's terrifying that's why it stands out as something very different than the rest of the movies because they they put it together at the last minute and there wasn't time to go back and fix it yeah like the rest of it i can't i don't remember a lot of it there was like a fight between the farmer guy and the the grandmom that has the fox and the farmer guy the hillbilly farmer guy has the hound i don't know Whatever. It was too, Whatever. It was, it was too complicated. Yeah, but what I'm, you get my point. What I'm saying is, how many sequences could you name just alone from Little Mermaid? Like a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Beauty but, and the Beast. There's a lot. Even the opening sequence to Beauty and the Beast with the stained glass telling the story. Right. And the music. Like they're just great movies. But like you said, you get into the later ones and it starts to where you're going. Eh, Pocahontas. There's the Mother Willow. That's cool. And then like. She so saves so, John Smith, I guess. So let's step back up. So Pocahontas is 1995. Yeah. Which we've also said that's when Toy Story came out. Yes. So Eisner, Wells, and Katzenberg took over Disney in 84. In 94, Frank Wells dies. And Frank Wells was, a, a from the reports, was the perfect was sparring partner with Eisner. They worked very well together. And their ideas meshed, and they did all kinds of amazing things together. Yeah. When Frank died, that energy was lost, and Eisner's ideas weren't as good mm-hmm. because he didn't have Frank Wells to. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But that's also when Katzenberg wanted to come in and step up, and he was fired. So in 1994, Katzenberg is fired. So you figure at that point in time, Pocahontas is probably in production, and maybe Goofy movie. Yeah. But after that, Katzenberg is, Katzenberg is no longer there guiding the animation. Was that why the stories and movies started becoming could less be. successful? I mean, because things, we, we, lost, we lost Wells, we lost Katzenberg. Again, though, you have a shift towards the end of the 90s of Hollywood changing. What was going on in Hollywood? Well, the CGI-driven spectacles start happening. So. Right. You know, you get at the end of the 90s, you get a lot of the Michael Bay stuff and the Armageddon and all those kind of spectacles due to CGI technology that it is changing it. But then you also see where Hollywood's starting to. It's kind of the last hurrah for Hollywood because now, as we see now, they're decline like the declining sales because of streaming and internet because the internet broke then. So it's just a different time. So, and, and when everyone's now doing, especially you, you come out with episode like george lucas starts doing the prequels where a lot a majority of it is cgi it's just changing the game on how movies are even being made or seen or and also the a lot of the conglomerates start taking over again so you get like and the idea of family fair was uh changing family fair is no longer a disney movie it's jurassic park but then you have post 9 11 which changes you know all of society right so the renaissance is it's a very specific time and place a, a, that eight to ten year period yeah that's that was it and i would i would point a lot to not just the declining stories i mean the writers and stuff will always change but and there's still some great movies like like i like well in pixar pixar kind of picked up the slack pixar had some re- has really great stuff yeah pixar pixar does an amazing job of putting together good movies yeah and they do the thing like you said where they can do adult themes 
not I mean adult themed, but adult geared content like up will make you ball, but a child will sit and watch it and have right. no idea what have- they do that so well that they can bring bigger audiences into it. They've had they've had I mean, Pixar's had stinkers. Yeah. D- don't be wrong. I'm not going to be wrong on that. But they've also had great movies like Up and Wall-E and Toy Story. And uh, I like Brave a lot, but a lot of people don't. I think Brave's. That, Brave I think didn't Brave's. Really, didn't really resonate I think with Brave's me. really good. Uh, I loved the animation in Brave. But, I mean, that's here. Whatever. But I think, I mean, in Princess, and they brought, and they redid, like, they went when they went back to hand drawn with Princess and the Frog. Princess and the Frog's good. I like that movie. And it kind of it does harken a lot back to the Renaissance. It's almost like a it's kind of an homage to the Renaissance. I couldn't see them trying to do another Renaissance where like we're just going to hand draw everything again because it's it's kind of past. There are still studios doing hand No, there are, there are, but, but it's not. But it, it is more of a, it's it's like with photography. Most photography is digital nowadays. Yeah. But there's, there's a, some there's people a resurgence still doing film. of people going back into film yeah. and doing the processes from the 1800s because there's still something different about right. that handmade process that you don't get from a digital camera and an inkjet printer. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe people don't want to watch hand-drawn Disney movies. But, but I think it goes back to the story. If, you, if you're telling a good story, it doesn't matter. No, I, no, I think yeah. you're right. So you're so okay. So that brings because, me a good because question. Because you look at when Lasseter came in with Pixar, he became the chief creative officer for Disney. So he's in charge of not just Pixar movies, but Disney movies, the Disney Animation Studio, and the theme parks. Yeah. So you start looking at the Disney movies that came out when Lasseter was in charge, and things start picking up. They start having Disney movies, non-Pixar, start becoming better. Because they're implementing some of the Pixar yeah. processes to yeah. tell better stories. Because what was um, well, like Meet Meet the Robinsons is good and Tangled is good. Frozen killed it at the box office. I didn't care for it as much as Tangled, but that's another story. With Pixar coming in in two thousand six, so you start moving into Meet the Robinsons, Roadside Romeo, which I've never even yeah, heard of. No. Bolt, which I don't yeah, think I've Bolt. ever seen. We move into A Christmas Carol, Princess and the Frog, Tangled. So Tangled was... It's a later one. But also remember that once Pixar hit, other studios jumped on it. So you had Sony Animation, you have DreamWorks Animation. I think DreamWorks did Shrek, or was that Sony? No, that was DreamWorks, because Katzenberg brought over a bunch of the the Disney and Pixar stories yeah. to DreamWorks. And so they started competing with some of these other studios that animation-wise, Disney kind of cleaned up until Land Before Time. And those were three movies. But once you had this animated, this CGI kind of revolution that other people were doing, you now have other studios doing just as good movies, but with a different style. The first Despicable Me is hilarious. Uh, Shrek, the first Shrek is good. I, I don't like any of those. Those the, the animation bothers me. But I'm saying it's, it's all it's all fart jokes, and it's it's well, that's our humor now, anyway. Well, I, I doesn't mean I have to like it. No, but I'm saying you you now have competition with Disney that they didn't really have before, right? And I think that's that's a big factor in today's system. I mean, they got they have competition from everybody, and that's the computer generated. Anybody can make computer generated stuff now. Yeah, you can do it on your laptop. Right. I'm not saying anybody can do it, but it's, well, I, it's, it's much, back the, in the, the day. The tools. Right. You can buy the programs. You can get 
more people are going into graphic design and things like that that can do it as right. opposed to like you're saying Disney had their own group of artists they were training to I guess write like Disney that's why Tim Burton got kicked out and because they weren't quite Disney enough right yeah but then they he came back to he came back to get the story of Nightmare Before Christmas yeah and by then they said well why don't just make it for us yeah uh, versus but she didn't direct it nope because he was busy doing something else. I forget what else he was doing. Ooh, 94. Was that Edward Scissorhands? Or was that earlier? I don't remember. He was he was, he was was committed to doing something else, but he produced it. Beetlejuice? No, Beetlejuice was early. Beetlejuice was 80s. I don't know. I, yeah, he produced it. Right. I love Night Before Christmas. But he tapped Selnick, who was a classmate of his at CalArts, mm-hmm. to direct it. So. Yeah. So back to story. Let's Let's take... I'm not even going to go far into it. Let's take Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. Would you pair those stories against... How would you pair those stories against Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella? Cinderella. They're very comparable. One, they're picking European fairy tales as their basis. Yeah. And Well, except for Aladdin. Which, uh, Aladdin was... Where did they come out of? Aladdin is, if I remember right, because Aladdin, the original Aladdin story comes from the book. Thousand, Thousand and One Arabian Nights? Yeah. Which is, if I, again, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head, is a compilation of Middle Eastern, quote unquote, Oriental folklore compiled by Westerners, if I remember right. All right. So it's like retellings of, and this was back Victoria era where we traveled. Egyptology and all that stuff, and right. they got these ideas. And they came back and... And they, yeah, they compiled, like, these weird folklore. Like, Kipling did it with the Jungle Book, where he went to India. So so it's it's like Indian folklore, but it's told through a Western lens. I think as if I remember that's what... So technically, you could say, I guess, Aladdin is... They changed it a lot, though, because I think the original Aladdin is Chinese, if I remember right. Okay. I read it I, I, years I, and years yeah. ago. I read it, and it's a lot different. He gets like a magic ring, and, and there's a whole thing. Well, fairy tales well, anyway. do do tend to multiple cultures tend to have the same, right. Yeah, same, you're the right. Same type of. But I'm saying stories. that's that's right. If which, I remember, which, I'm not gonna look at Wikipedia because right. that's stupid. But but that um, but that goes back to why those resonates because they were going back to a universal a a, a universal story that crosses. Cultures. But the story arcs are the same too. Right. So you have. In all three of those, you have a protagonist who is an outcast or gets outcast. Something of Snow White, which Snow White kind of is the outcast because she's she's a stepdaughter, right? Right. Yeah. Outcast what was the one I said Sleeping Beauty. She gets physically outcast from her kingdom because Maleficent wants to kill her. Right? If I'm remembering right. Right. On her 16th, uh, that's 16th what it is. Birthday, on her 16th birthday, birthday, she curses her. Right. So she gets physically outcast. Um, save her life Cinderella's an outcast because her dad died and it's the stepmother so then you go to Little Mermaid who is kind of the outcast of her family Belle is the town outcast and Aladdin is like the societal outcast because he's a poor street urchin you have these characters but he's popular on the streets (laughs) he is he's popular with the the street ladies too remember he goes through the window (laughs) and all the ladies like him but then you have these characters rising to success via magical means now the early ones you have like snow white like we debated the other day where she died or whatever but she gets her wish fulfilled 
via the magic kiss of Prince Charming, and they rise up into the weird golden castle in the sky. Sleeping Beauty, same thing with the kiss deal, but Prince Charming has to kill a dragon and all that, so she gets her wish fulfilled. Everything's happy at the end. Cinderella, she gets her wish fulfilled because he comes and finds a slipper, blah, 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 blah. Little Mermaid's the same way, where she dreams, she goes through the whole hardship of getting legs, but she has her voice taken away, loses her legs, but then she gets it back because her dad goes, you know what, I actually love you anyway, so here's your legs. So she gets her wish fulfilled. Belle gets her wish fulfilled. She gets to keep her dad, even though he was thrown in like a dungeon at one point. Uh, She gets the prince. She lives in the castle. She gets to move out of the goofy little town. Um, Aladdin's the same way. He, he gets everything he wants, even though if you, if you go back and watch Aladdin, he's so, like, kind of a schizoid throughout the whole thing. Like he's lying to people and he's manipulating, but then, then he's rewarded because he had the heart of gold. And, and he's not as bad as Jafar. And he's not as bad as Jafar. Yeah. So all these movies, these three movies, I guess is what I'm saying is they all have similar so story you look, arcs. you look at Lion King, same thing. And themes, yeah. yeah. He physically gets outcast and then he comes back. And takes the throne and has a kid, and the whole cycle starts over. It's um, a circle of life, Dustin. Yeah, but all these stories, and, and that's the basic. They follow kind of the basic Hollywood pattern of. Is it Hollywood, or is it this fairy tale pattern? It's pretty Hollywood. This Hollywood version. Because classic of fairy tale? Hollywood would have been: you have a character, they have to overcome an obstacle, they the happy ending at the end. Is it the hero's journey, kind of, sort of. Kind of, I guess you could. Yeah, some of it. Yeah, Joseph Campbell. Aladdin, definitely. Little Mermaid. Is Little Mermaid the hero's journey? I'm trying to remember. Well, because usually you have you have the mentor or guide that... Which would be Sebastian, maybe. Would it? Yeah, because he follows her around and kind of helps her, remember? He shows her how to like yeah. put on makeup. Because and... Sebastian's motivation is to... Because remember at first he wants to go tell Triton, which all the problems would have been solved if he would have done in the first place, but he didn't. <laughs> And then his motivation is because he wants her to be happy, right? Because she gives him, like, the puppy dog eyes, and right. he decides, I'll help you out. So he, like, coaches her through. And that's why he has the Kiss the Girl song, to right. try to get... How about Hercules? Is that Heroes? Hercules has, um, what's his name? Danny DeVito's character, yeah. the satyr guy. Yeah. He's the mentor. Phil. Yeah. Yeah, here, Hercules is. That's definitely the hero's journey. Tarzan. I don't, I don't remember a lot about Tarzan. It was a throwaway movie for me. Had, I said we were only doing the little, the basic ones I know. here. Well, but I was taking your your analysis and going, well, but if you apply that, that arc, I guess you could. That, like Bell, Bell has, yeah, that arc that arc works across a bunch of their movies. Yeah, it does. Or like you said, it's the Hollywood. It's, it's not just Disney. it's the classic Hollywood. Yeah, it's happily ever after. Right. And they they, they that, achieve they put that into the book. They achieve their goals. Right. I mean, I couldn't see it where. I mean, in the original, some of the original fairy tales, they did, they do not achieve their goals. That's the whole point, especially the German ones, where a lot of the Germans were morality tales for kids, like "Don't do this, or yeah. this bad thing will happen." Whereas right. Disney took it and turned it, Americanized it, and said, "Oh, you do get to live your dreams." Which, like Snow White, makes sense because it was during the Depression. People were <laughs> literally depressed. Uh, I guess they probably don't want to go see a movie where Snow White dies. Right. right. Although you could read it that she did, yeah, but if, she if, lives at the end. He kisses her, and, and they, yeah, because that's what, that's the story. That's the story they wanted to see. Even though really the seven dwarves are the ones that save her. 
Did they find the prince and bring him to her? No, but they build the glass coffin so that he could see her and right. put her in the woods. But they chase the queen down. Like, the prince really doesn't do anything. He shows up and Yeah, he shows up. He's just there. He's like, he sings that goofy song at her, and that's all you see of him. He sings that one love song or whatever, whatever that song <laughs> is by the well, and she gets... That, that guy, uh, the... Uh, the woodsmith, right? Or the wood, what do they call him? The woodsman. The woodsman tries to kill her. Well, he's supposed to kill her. Right, he's supposed he to kill her, but he doesn't. Yeah. But then the prince, he's just... It's good to be go- the prince. He's gone. You show up. You show up, you get the girl, yeah. you go to the castle. You see at the beginning of the movie. The you poor say, seven I, I, dwarves. I you later. The poor seven dwarves go back to living in squalor. But they have all those gems. <laughs> Remember that scene where Dopey's throwing them out? That's funny. That's a funny scene. Which is your favorite dwarf? Dopey? No. I always liked... I always liked Doc. I don't know why. He was the leader, I guess. Yeah. Grumpy was alright, because he was funny. <laughs> I, do, I did not like Happy. Happy drove me nuts. He was always... Ugh. The other ones are like... Like, sneezy and sleepy. or like, eh. They, they, they just they don't... Sleep, yeah, they, sleep, they, they don't sneeze, do. Yeah. Dopey's funny. I like Dopey. He's a good guy. Wiggles his ears. He's kind of like Sloth from uh, Goonies. Doesn't Sloth wiggle his ears? Yes, it yeah. does, yeah. Anyway. So who's your favorite Pooh character? Tigger. Really? Yeah, I like Tigger. Didn't Piggy was a Tigger person? No, I know. He's out of control. What did you think, Eeyore? I no, like Eeyore. You're, not, you're Piglet. No, I can't stand Piglet. <laughs> Piglet was always getting into trouble and... Ugh. Gopher was kind of funny because he always just showed up. And, or Al. You could be Al. Yeah, Al was always... Al was too, like preachy all the time remember that what's that scene where he's like telling them stories of his ancestors and they're they all fall asleep it was on the it was in the blustery day one okay. right because his tree falls over right whichever one that one was yeah, right. it, it, when you start looking at this list of movies and you start tracking the evolution from the 80s to today it is quite a shift in content and story yeah not just Moving from but the music too. Animation. I mean the music because yeah. they don't even the musicals they're not even that musically anymore. Yeah, I mean there's some with good songs, but not like, not like those, not like those original ones. They all had so so many songs. So do you think Tim that there will be a second Disney Renaissance? That's a tough one. I'm gonna say no. Why? I think with their. With Disney purchasing everything, everything, Lucas and Marvel and now Fox, I don't think there's enough interest or something at the at that level at the company level to say, let's make and focus in on making some amazing animated movies, unless it gets done under the radar. The, the animators, the people doing the movies, put together a high quality film. Disney won't release that. Well, they might. But it might be one of those. It gets made by accident. But I don't. Yeah. I don't see a renaissance happening of them doing a series of. Because once they do one that's successful, they'll just replicate. They'll just replicate it. Management will say, "We want more of these." Yeah. Let's make a whole universe of. Ready and that's a problem. That's a that's a problem I have now with the the parks in general. Back in the like the Eisner days, for instance, because that's when I remember going the most as a child. They felt the parks felt like Disney, whereas now it's mar. You're bombarded with Marvel stuff and Star Wars and stormtroopers marching around, and 
and it's not I, I mean when i went to disney i liked the nostalgia feel of like you went to mgm studios and it felt like an old film studio or it felt like hollywood in the 30s and 20, 20s and 30s right I didn't really want stormtroopers marching around. Like it was fine to have Star Tours in the back. That was a cool addition because it was a movie. Right. But then you also had, you know, the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular and you had the great movie ride and you had, I don't need a giant land of Star Wars in the back. And then Toy Story. And then Toy Story over here in a giant land and then Marvel over here. Like it's, I get that they're making money and I get that there's an audience for it because they've bombarded us from every corner of the universe with this stuff that they bought but it takes away i hate to sound like those people from the from the from my past that were always like oh disney's an evil corporation and i said no disney world's great but now i'm the guy going ugh, they're just buying everything and ruining everything and that i turned into that crotchety old man <laughs> the, the grumpy old man yeah but i feel like so one of the complaints when eisner came in and the renaissance happened that the characters that were in the theme parks and yeah. in the parades were all his characters. You didn't see Sleeping Beauty and Snow yeah. White and Mickey Mouse. So those kind of got those characters kind of got pushed off to the side. Without a new Renaissance, are the are the characters getting are the old characters the Renaissance characters becoming stale? I don't know because they're rebooting them. Oh, that's they're true. they're doing the live action stuff, right. which. <sighs> but even then. Is it the same? And then it goes back to, in society now, people don't come to the movies as much. Right. And also, our attention spans on what we find interesting is much shorter. I think Aladdin will be the test. Because, and this is my, this is in because my... Beauty and the Beast made, what, $2 billion? Beauty and the Beast did well. I don't, Cinderella, I don't, eh, I don't remember people talking about it. I don't even remember it. Cinderella coming out. Yeah, it was a while ago. It had Helen Bottom Carter in it. She was the... Her fairy godmother. I think Beauty and the Beast will that be. A, one sorry, like, that one Beauty and the like, Beast. Um, I think Aladdin. Aladdin will be a test this summer, and I think Lion King. I think Lion King will do all right because it's all CGI. And, um, and, and Lion King, I think, has a larger heart swell. Yeah. Of fan base. Than... But again, you're hitting. You're starting to hit into those iconic images and scenes. Where and I think you're starting to see the backlash with Aladdin, where Robin Williams was so iconic as genie. It's weird seeing for people. I mean, I saw it and I shrugged and said we didn't need it anyway. So I guess throw Will Smith in there and Robin Williams coming out and singing "Friend Like Me" is not going to be like Will Smith popping out and being Will Smith right all the time. Well, but Aladdin started out as a Broadway style play at Disney California Adventure. And when that first came out, people were like throwing their hands up going, you can't replicate Robin Williams' character. You can't replicate the story. And that play ran, I forget how many years, and it was always well attended. And then they decided, well, it's doing so well here. Let's move it to Broadway. So it's on Broadway right now. Yeah, that's different than just shot for shot recreations of the animated movie. Like there's scenes in the trailer that's it's literally shot for shot, except it's just live action. Same thing with Lion King. It's it's yeah. And if if all this is because they tried that with Psycho, didn't they do a shot? Oh for yeah, that was bad. Yeah, Except was, it was color. It was yeah, color. Yeah, if but it was it was literally it was shot. It was every Hitchcock shot was replicated. And I don't know what the point was. Like okay. I watched it, and I said I don't know what the point. Because at that point in time, are they even acting? 
Did, did you buy so anyway no i didn't like it so if they're just basically nobody liked it because you could tell us you could tell a story they could uh, read lion king and aladdin it would be tough you could tell a story but not you do it shot for shot correct but by doing it shot for shot it's that's going to be the uphill battle i think that's lazy though isn't it well it's hard to do but i don't know beauty and the beast they why why was beauty and the beast such a hit I don't know. I, I tried to watch it. I turned it off. I, it, it, it was very boring as a live action for me. Yeah. I'd, some of these just don't fit well into I, Aladdin. I really don't want to see live action. I'll, I'll probably go see it this summer just to see how they try to pull it off. Just to see how bad it is. Right. I mean, I mean, I have no skin in the game in this really. So going to see it, if I leave and say that was bad, I'm not going to feel bad about it for two weeks. I'll just go, well, uh, I, I think this I right- don't, I have to be. I have to do the full disclosure. I am a Disney stock holder. I, I, I own shares of Disney stock. So I think I, I think I think I'm supposed to point that out. You're at some supposed point. to like it or what? Well, no, I'm just supposed to say to, to the listening audience <laughs> so you know that I might be biased towards Disney because I own their stock. He's also stuff. biased because he loves Disney. Yeah, I bought the stock because. But are you gonna think? Well, I mean, what are you gonna do with Aladdin? What are What are you thinking about with Aladdin in your brain right now? I have no desire with, to see it. With hip hop, I I but I, I'm not a big fan of the original movie. Oh, you didn't like the original? It was all right. I like the original. I just can't imagine. I don't know. It'll be I, the guy. I, I don't know. Lion I, King's I, gonna be a weird one too, where it's like see, we Lion, have we have the animated. Why do we need see? CGI? Lion King is one of those ones. It's like when I was talking with in Qu- Quick Cuts two with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I can't explain why I like Lion King so much. Other than it hit me at the right time. The animated one? Yeah, the animated, the animated one. one's it great. It hit me at the right time in my life that it resonated with me. Yeah, the animated one's great. Yeah. You were much older, though, when that right. came but than it, me. Right. But the, I can think of Lion King, uh, Cars. I don't like Cars. The first part. But they, they hit me at a certain yeah. time. I was, in, I was in, a, in a phase in my life or my world or my day or whatever that when I saw it, it worked. And I can't explain. So what are you going to do with the CGI Lion King? I don't know. I, 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 I'm skeptical of it just because what are they, what are they going to do to something that I hold dear to my heart because I saw it at a point in time in my life where... The and that's what they did to yeah. me with Star Wars, so I'm already kind of numb to it. Yeah. Where I... You know, at a certain point, I threw my hands up and said, these aren't for me. I've accepted that at this point. I'm not going to go see Star Wars movies because the last one I saw was just awful. And I said, these aren't. That's when you just have to accept. It's not for you. When I when I discovered Star Wars, as a certain phase of my life. It hit me a certain way. Do I still love watching Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, I love Empire Strikes Back. The original Star Wars didn't hit me like it did everyone else because I wasn't around in 77 when it came out. And by the time I kind of discovered quote-unquote star wars it was already so ingrained in the culture that it wasn't like a surprise to see the stuff that i was seeing right empire strikes back hit me during puberty so like the dark themes in it kind of resonated more to me because you felt like people were picking on you people (laughs) just like the heroes in that are all beaten up beaten down and so i whatever for whatever reason and i didn't like empire strikes back when i was little because it was boring i liked Return of the Jedi, and I liked the first one. But then when I hit teenage years, preteen years, that's the movie that I said, this there's something in this movie. 
but yeah, so then you go, you know, and you try to hold on to that. You you live through the prequels and you live through, but you're getting older and you're kind of going, eh, it's not really the same, but eh. And then, you know, these last ones, I just, I finally shrugged and said, why am I still doing this to myself? Like, it's not, it's not, Maybe me, the- it's not me 12, year old, 12 years old watching Luke get his hand cut off on the plank at Bespin at Cloud City or whatever. It's right. It's not. So stop. Trying maybe, to find it again. Maybe that's why I don't mind episodes eight and nine so much. No, it might be why we, we've had we've had lengthy arguments over. No, I think I think they're garbage. The, I, 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 <laughs> I, because I had given up on them right after, after the prequels. That I could see that that I there I don't see the I don't I am no longer connected to. Yeah, I don't, I don't connect eight and nine to four, five, and six. Right. Because one, two, and three already made me barf. But that's like with me and Aladdin. Like I'll go see it. Like I, I'll shrug and say I, whatever. Right. You still have the animated one. I mean, the animated one's still gonna be better. There's, there's no possible way you're gonna make it better than the animated one. I'm saying that right now on the record. There's okay. no possible way. You heard it here first. You can do shot for shot the same movie, but just make it live action. and It's gonna be better. All it is is a money grab. Right. And like you said, it's trying to cultivate maybe someone in the audience that had never seen Aladdin and their youngerish mom brought them to it or something, right? Is that what it's doing now? Cuz really if you if you look at the time frame, I guess the, these live action ones would be the age the kids watching the original ones would have been younger. Now they're at least the, the kids of that age that they have, saw, yeah. might have children that they're going, ooh, nostalgia. So they bring their kid to it, and then their kid goes, I love Aladdin, but they have no idea what it is. So then it just keeps perpetuating. Take them to Disney and spend your money. Which is which is what the parks were doing. Is, right. Is, is, is a multi-generational thing. You, right, you and that's why kid, it worked. When you get older, you take your kids there. No, you're right. But, but now the Star Wars but, thing, but, but, I think, they're is... Losing, they're losing that draw yeah i think they're looking more towards the short-term gains of the yes. money because they are making money but i don't know but, I, but, but in order to make more money it's it goes back to the whole stock market is that in order they made 80 bazillion dollars last year if they don't make 88 bazillion to show 10 percent profit over last year then they're a failure right so they have to keep doing something every year to make more versus just saying you know what we're good with 80 bazillion dollars yeah Stock market, you know, go away. But what will the parks look like in thirty years? I don't know because I I have. I mean, theme parks have changed so radically anyway. Because I just just since I've been, I just saw the story, a news story on one of the Disney fan websites about the announcement of the Spider-Man attraction at California Adventure, hmm. and. It's supposed to be technologically more advanced than anything else that ever existed. Yeah. And that you, you, I guess, are Spider-Man and you're able to shoot webs and do things. <laughs> and so... It seems a little bit. Is it just augmented reality? Is that all yeah. they're going to do? Well, that's like a lot of Universal stuff has gone more towards the 360-degree screen experience. Right. As opposed to, if you remember, late 90s, early 2000s, everyone was going towards big roller coasters. So like Islands of Adventure, they were all building like these big or trying to compete with these roller coasters. Right. But then roller coasters recently for these types of theme parks have kind of waned. That's not what that's not what people want to be entertained with anymore. Right. So now it's like these kind of like you said, these not immers- augmented. Immersive. It's like immersive type right. screen rides, 
which I'm not as big a fan of because I was during when they were doing roller coasters right. and like they were still themed and stuff. Like the Harry the Harry Potter rides, I think are cool because they're a mix. I've not been to the I've not been to Universal the, since the the, the Forbidden is it the Forbidden Journey. That one is better, I think, than the Gringotts ride. The Forbidden Journey is cool because it was so original when I wrote it. I'd never read anything like that where they blended live act live action with, the, the, the real, with real. there's like a screen but then the way your your seats move was like you were floating through the forest like that was really well done whereas the gringotts one is like a 3d track roller coaster type it's neat i like it i write it every year we go down to halloween horror nights <laughs> but no one's there because everyone else is out that's when you go Oh, the line for Poltergeist is two hours. I'm going to go ride uh, Gringotts Bank. Because it's five minutes. Because it's five minutes and no one's there. But Disney also had to try to compete when Harry Potter World opened up because they started to see attendance drop. Right. So that's now. What are they going to do? Oh, well, they're going to respond with Star Wars World. And, or, and Avatar Land. And, yeah, and that didn't... I think that was a little too late. Well, the new one... There was supposed to be time... There's supposed to be like five more movies coming out. They but, are, the next one is coming out next year. Avatar 2 is coming out. But Avatar is such a weird movie where... But even then, the, who's the, talking about it now? Other than us. And Cameron. <laughs> James and, and, Cameron. And, 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 and Iger at Disney. Yeah, like, people. when I heard his Avatar land, I kind of went, wait, what? Why? Well, it was supposed to be timed so that the land opened at the same time the movie was coming. But James coming. Cameron doesn't operate that way. Right. But he got his, however much money he got oh, from yeah. Disney to, to have the rights. But then they it's bought. too bad because that world originally was supposed to be the uh, fantasy mystical world, right? Which was neat when you look at the actual because they had part of the ride completed or something with that. There's one where you rode through the boat and there was a unicorn in the middle, and so when Animal Kingdom originally opened, they had a boat that went around the outside of it, and you could actually see the unicorn. They incorporated it kind of, but okay. the ride never, right. the stuff never opened, and so dinosaur because they were gonna have a dinosaur like a dinosaur attraction and there's like a Merlin castle. They incorporated the dinosaur attraction. They just took it and they made it the dinosaur ride, right. which was the Indiana Jones ride, but then they just made it dinosaur. But the Indiana Jones ride is way better than the dinosaur Yeah, that's ride. what I heard. It's way better. Yeah. Even, if, 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 even it is, if it is the exact same layout. Yeah, it's the same it, track, isn't it? It's That's what the rumor. It's, I don't know if it's ever been. Well, that's what Universal did that with the Spider-Man ride. It's, if you ride the Spider-Man ride, then you ride Transformers. It's the exact same, like the track and everything. The oh. stuff, it's just Transformers, right. not Spider-Man. I, the future. I will say that when I I rode Spider-Man at Universal Orlando when it first opened, and yes, it's pretty so amazing. The first two times, it I, was a neat ride. But the third time I rode it, I was like, oh, I get it. I see what I see. Yeah. I, I I I I could look past. What I was supposed to look at, and look what, what what it was, what I was not supposed to look at, and go, oh, that's how they're doing it. I, I, the, the effect when, is lost. But when that came out, when Islands of Adventure opened, they had a lot of great attractions in that, right. and that was one of them. Because they brought in a lot of the Disney Imagineers, yeah, to do it. I guess there's a, um, I think it was when Universal Studios in Florida opened, Eisner would drive and sit in the parking lot. And actually watch them build the theme park, trying to figure out because he was trying to. Then he went and built. Well, see, he, he was MGM. privy to that because he was with Paramount, uh-huh. so he was privy to what they were. I think. He but had then he insight. ended up firing uh, one of the guys that was working. So one of the people, and I forget the actual story, but the the guy that was the engineer that was working, or what are they called, mouse mouse and Imagineers. Imagineers. 
that was working on, I forget what project it was. Animal Kingdom. That's what it was. It was Animal Kingdom. Because the fan- the, that fantasy world I was just talking about, the guy that was working on that brought it to Michael Eisner. And Michael Eisner said, that, no. He ended up quitting going to Universal. And that is the... The Dueling Dragons? Yep. That was that world. And Eisner saw it and was like, shit. Because <laughs> he remembered all this play and he incorporated it into... What so was- a lot of that, yeah. And if you went... It's not there anymore because now it's all Harry Potter world. But the original, the Islands of Adventure, you could see too, where it's like there's the castle that was falling down and the, right. and the Forbidden Continent or whatever it was called. Uh, yeah, that was originally supposed to be that was the, in Animal Planet or Animal Kingdom. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We've learned something. <laughs> One thing. All right. So I've had it with Disney. I think yeah. I think we've we've we've, we've beat the. We're not coming back to it ever again. Oh, we will. <laughs> well, we will. We will. Because <laughs> it covers Marvel and Star Wars oh, and Fox. God. And not yet. And... Not yet. Not yet. Not but yet. All right. So that wraps up our ramblings on Disney yes. Animation to today. Though we, there's still all kinds of stuff we didn't get into. Yeah, there's but, tons. But that's enough for now. That is enough. So play us off, Dustin. Doody, beady, boop. That was my 80s intro. (laughs) (laughs) Though my question for part three that we're leading into for the end of this podcast episode has nothing to do with the 80s. So you you recently watched the original Fantasia. I did. And I had had been listening to the soundtrack. I, I think I texted you something about amazing soundtrack. And that prompted you to break out the DVD. Blu-ray. 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 Yeah. So, real quick, what were your thoughts on seeing Fantasia as an adult? I really liked it a lot. I need to go back and watch it again. The animation is amazing, and it's kind of amazing. Of course, now that I'm an adult, I appreciate classical music more. So the songs that they picked for that film are all iconic, great songs. Not all of the sequences were winners for me as an adult. I feel like there's a part in the middle that slowed down. I think it's the dinosaur sequence. Do you remember that one? Yes. That one got kind of, uh, it was the, what's the song that plays during that part? Um, I forget the name of the song, but that sequence comes right after, or pretty close to Sorcerer's Apprentice, which I love that sequence. So it hits that part, it kind of slows down. Oh, you got the soundtrack. I had it on spot. I have it on Spotify, but let me see here. Oh crap! Nope. Right of Spring, Stravinsky. Okay. Yeah, which comes right after Sources Apprentice. So the first, I guess that'd be half, where Sources Apprentice marks it. Is the the pacing is really well done because it goes through the Nutcracker Suite, and it keeps moving, moving, moving. Sources Apprentice, you know, it's moving 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 and then you hit right a spring and the animation is cool and i love dinosaurs but that one just didn't work it got well. really slow there for some reason and i think if i remember right the the conductor's introduction is really long for that and i don't the introduction parts i get but eh, i want to get to the animation and the music um <laughs> so there's but, still, the kid of you was still there saying give me to the good part to that to those parts um but and I'm not saying like the animation didn't line up with the music. 
I'm not saying that. I just say that part got right. I mean, how do you follow Sorcerer's Apprentice? Because that part's that sequence is so iconic, right? And it's so well done. Even dinosaurs, I was kind of like, all right. But then the next sequence is the the alligators and the hippos. Right. They're trying to steal the hippos, which I like that, and it builds back up. And then the finale. The finale is amazing with the. God, it's been a long day. It's been it's a the, long day. It's the demon on the mountain. What's the name of the song, though? Something mountain. On top of something mountain. Because then it goes into Ave Maria. A night on Ball Mountain. A night on Ball Mountain. And that sequence is great. And then the way it just seamlessly transitions into the Ave Maria and it ends the movie. And I didn't remember the movie ending with that. But it leaves you, it leaves you like a heightened sense with the music and it's just, it's well done. So in doing some follow-up research after our part one, Fantasia was released as the first symphonic movie, not quadraphonic movie. And the theaters didn't, had to upgrade their sound systems to play the, the symphonic stereo. They didn't have to? They, they did have to. Oh, so have you seen Fantasia 2000? Um, I've seen parts. Would you go back and rewatch it now, having seen Fantasia um, and be interested? I don't like the music as well. There you go. <laughs> so you're not... You're not I, have the sa- I have the soundtrack, because I have, I have the Fantasia soundtrack, because I listen to a lot of classical music while I'm studying and whatnot and working. And the first Fantasia soundtrack, I like a lot. The second one, I like... I love Rhapsody in Blue, which is one of my favorite classical pieces, and that's on there, but they cut it. Because the original Rhapsody Blue is like 15 minutes, and I think the Fantasia version is nine. And I remember that sequence. I think I had to watch it in like music class. So that's probably why. I might go back and watch it. I don't know. The, the original one's just, it's good. Yeah. And it's so experimental. Like when I was watching it from an adult lens, I'm like, 19, was it 1940? Imagine going to see that in 1940 with the, I mean. Especially since, as I'm pulling up the list real quick. <clears throat> Fantasia came out in 1940. Yeah, that followed Pinocchio. That was the, Fantasia yeah. was the third movie, so that was that was very risky uh-huh. to go from Snow White. It's a diverse. It's to diverse. Pinocchio, yeah. to Fantasia because they're building a reputation of fairy tales. Because yeah, or... if you went with Pixar, if their third movie had been completely <laughs> well, Wally was kind of. Yeah, but that wasn't the third movie. They no. They built up their, yeah. their reputation. But Wally was kind of... Remember, I remember a big hubbaloo about Wally where the, there was limited dialogue for like the first what, hour or whatever right. it was. And people were, oh, they need talking. Well, they also the, the social commentary on that were a bunch of right. fat slugs. That yeah, they probably didn't like that either. Yeah. Which we are now, so... But it's amazing how... <laughs> exactly. What else did you ask me on Fantasia? That was it. Just, oh, yeah. what, what Not thoughts? a popcorn grinder, though. No, but it, it is a one to savor. Yeah. And I would definitely, I would go back and watch it. I would watch it several more times. It was very relaxing. Yes. It was relaxing. So have you, would you be interested in seeing it on the big screen? Yes. I'd love is to that see it on the big Is that one that needs I would to love to see it. I wonder if anyone's doing it where the real symphony is playing at the same time, because they do that now. Yeah, I'm sure that's happening somewhere. That would be neat to see. Uh, when I was in Denver, somebody was doing Empire Strikes Back with the symphony. With the, with the live symphony? Uh-huh. That'd be kind of interesting. That'd be neat. My brother went and saw, down Orlando, they did the Deathly Hollows with the symphony. The, so thir- the third Harry Potter. Every year, you, I don't know in if you're a Harry Potter September, guy. I go down to Dragon Con 
in Atlanta. And one of the one of the nights they bring in the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra yeah. to play songs from science fiction movies. Mm. And it's just amazing. That this Not big, Forbidden Planet. Uh, no. So you walk in in this room with like, I'm saying, I'm guessing three to five thousand people yeah. in the audience, and there's this orchestra playing. It's just you you appreciate the music in a whole different way when it's oh, live orchestra is completely different than. And, I, and last year, the the conductor always dresses in costume. Yeah. Last year, he was dressed as the Joker as the nurse. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So he had the green hair and the makeup and the skirt, and he yeah. turned around and and the and there's a nurse and he's hi. Um, I saw. I don't go down to the symphony as much as I should. It's kind of pricey. It's for those bougie people. Oh, yeah, you have to you have to pay for it to appreciate. Yeah, it. yeah, right. I can't appreciate. I saw the music of John Williams. They did the Dayton Symphony did it. All right. And it was like you said. It's a it's different experiencing it live because it's almost like not to sound corny, but it's like you can feel the music. But also, you you lose the visuals, so yeah. you can then escape into your own mind right. of picturing what's going on yeah and then they played uh the jurassic park theme and the guy next to me had some kind of coughing fit and i wanted to actually choke him to death i was like i was waiting the whole show for this and you start choking (laughs) on your snickers bar shut up that's literally what went through my head which kind of takes you out of the whole experience it took me out i didn't i didn't enjoy the jurassic park theme as i wanted to enjoy it did you play it on your way home so you could no i was mad I was mad with that guy. What was the other biggie? They did Star Wars, of course. E.T. was really good. They did the E.T. suite. And Schindler's List. Schindler's List, that song's a powerful song. Right. Anyway. All right. But so yes, Fantasia was great. That is the end of this episode of yes. From the Proscenium. Next episode, is, Tim, what, what will be happening? I don't know. What do we have on the schedule? It's Greg Sestero. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I already with Greg. <laughs> And then I think we're doing um, blockbuster movies. We're gonna talk about blockbusters, summer okay. blockbusters. So that's that's coming up in the next couple weeks. And then we got quick cuts. Quick cuts are coming out every week, and the big episodes are every other week. Yeah. Quick cuts are hoping to get them out on Wednesdays, and the long episodes are every other Friday. Yeah. And the next one is coming out. This one is coming out Friday, March 29th. Yes. If you have any questions for us, email us at podcast. At comments too. Questions, comments. Questions, comments. We'll read them on the air. Well, yeah. If you, if you, if there are corrections, <laughs> any of that good stuff, email us at podcast at proscenia.filmsociety.org. Or is there a topic you'd like to hear? Would you like to hear Dustin to talk about slasher movies for three hours? I know I or, would. Or for three or four episodes. <laughs> for three or four. And we are, our podcast is being picked up by, uh, we are off of Anchor, but it's on iTunes, Google, Stitcher. We just heard today we're on radio. We're on Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're on Radio Play. I don't know what the radio, radio, I don't know what that one is. Yeah. So it's, our podcast is being spread out there. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, listen in, and email us with your questions, comments, suggestions, themes, corrections, or your favorite. Or maybe you want to be a guest. Or if you'll be a guest. We'll talk to you. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll yeah. ask you we'll, questions. We'll let you, call, we'll let you call in and banter <laughs> with us. <laughs> we'll ask you questions. <laughs> All right. See you guys when we see you. I'm Tim. I'm Dustin. Bye.